everyone, and welcome down to episode number 90 of the Down South Photo Show with me, Brendan Waits, here in Ocean Grove, Victoria, Australia, and the guy on the other screen or in your other ear, if you are listening to the podcast, the award-winning podcast, it's Cam Blake in Tasmania, Australia. Hello, Cameron. Ooh, two weeks in a row. I'm in Australia. I like it. You're back. You're back in the fold, I'm my back. friend. I'm, go- I'm going well, mate. Now, we'll let people know that you're a little bit under the weather, aren't you? You're, I, I've had yeah. a little a w- weird little head cold. Poor Brenny. Um, yeah, you- <laughs> you've I'll, rolled I'll... yourself out of your deathbed and <clears throat> come come and put an episode yes. on for yes. the loyal 600 now subscribed viewers on YouTube. Um, give it up for 600 subscribers. Thank you. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little, little old uh, head cold, but that's okay. We battle mm. through. Um, yes. One of, the, one of the joys of working for yourself is you can't call in sick. So uh, <laughs> I've sort of been battling through with the old uh, insert brand name medicine here. Um, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. What we'll is your, what is your, what is your medicine of choice for a head cold? Sudafed. Sudafed. Yeah. A little, little bit of speed. The, well, it's of... the only one that works and, and it, I love it now because you go in to buy Sudafed and of course you're treated like a criminal. So like a drug uh, addict. <laughs> yeah. And this was the new one. I went in, I went into the chemist two nights ago and I'm like, oh, I just want to grab some Sudafed and I'm ready for all the questions. What I wasn't ready for was her to ask me, have you been in another chemist today? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been, I've been collecting them all day long. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I've got this van out here. <laughs> Just, just, just call That's me. Right. Just call me Walter Waits. Walter, <laughs> you get your own drug addict, a oh. drug barn going on in the background. Yeah. yeah, it's um, it's a different experience going to the chemist these days, isn't it? It's just not um, yeah, it's not the same, is it? Than no, uh, what it not. used to be. So no, yeah. No, but that's okay. I get it. They got to well, got to pro- got to protect us. I understand. Did that. you did you know? Here's a fun fact. Down in Tasmania, mm-hmm. we used to be the only state that grew opium, like pure opium. I, in I poppy, think I might have heard fields. This. Yeah, poppy fields. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Victoria is now doing it, but you know, poppies, opium. It's all made. It's made for Sudafed and all those kind of things. Yeah. Um, you you would expect there would be a high degree of security surrounding these paddocks, <laughs> wouldn't you? I'm um, guessing there's d- not. <laughs> down here, there's a there's a barbed wire fence, like a normal mm. paddock fence, mm. and a sign says "Do not enter. This is dangerous." <laughs> um, so for the first few years that we lived down here. It's sad to say, but the the paper used to have a story once a year that, you know, two two young men from wherever uh, have now been hospitalised and close to death because they've jumped the fence and tried to make poppy tea out of the poppy seeds of the, and uh, it hasn't ended well. So, mm. yeah, it's a funny well, thing. But anyway, it's, it's it's big time in the news in Victoria at the moment. People making things that they found in fields, meals for people. But anyway, we uh, mushroom on the mushroom scenario. I heard that one, but Correct, you'll yes. stay away from um, that. We're not, a, so, we're not a political news show. So. so getting back on topic, if I do happen to cough and splutter a bit tonight, I do apologize. I will try my hardest to mute that or edit it out in post-production. Um, housekeeping time, August photo comp. Uh, the theme yes. is color and my lordy color. wordy aren't the entries flowing, Cameron? They are flowing in, absolutely. And you know what I'm really liking about the color entries mm-hmm. um, is the fact that they're not absolutely ruined by color that's right Pe- people are being quite um it, what's the word not generous but that's the other way what's the other word being a bit um conservative conservative is what i'm looking for with their color so yeah there is absolutely a splash of color uh all over our screen i'm just looking at them now we've yeah. got to about... it's going to be fascinating to to judge this one and see people's mm. take on the theme and it's so broad but let's see yes 
I'm not going to say I've got a particular photo in mind, but I definitely have an idea in mind for for what I might be looking for. I don't know if you right. have, but but something that yeah. yeah. Anyway, we'll, um, we'll see. We won't preempt anything. Just looking at the top, the 22 that have been submitted so far. Don't forget, folks, got another 20 days or two weeks or so. Um, mm-hmm. There's one that stands out to me. Maybe one or two that stand out to me so far, where I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, and there's a little bit of, there's people being quite smart here. There's a lot of, a few Tasmanian scenes in there. Maybe they're trying to sway the judges. Oh, yes, by, they might be by, too. There's a bit of the Great Ocean Road in there as well. So maybe well, well, they everyone, are. Everyone knows now that I've developed a massive soft spot for Tasmania. So, you know, they're going to get two birds, one stone if they're putting in photos of Tassie. That is true. But uh, it's going great. Um, like I said, we've got another two and a half weeks probably to enter in um, your color shots. Can be anything. Predominantly landscape. Uh, don't put a picture up of a red apple unless it's on a tree with an amazing background. <laughs> don't do That's it. That's right. It could be that. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um, yeah. Now, what else? Uh, what else are we talking about tonight? Oh, um, uh, we'll, we'll do we'll do backgrounds if you oh, like. Indeed. Let's let's do. I'm going first. You go first. Because I I don't know. I think you went first last week. Um, I'll just make. There we go. So here we have. This was oh, two weeks ago. Um, we had. I think I remember saying on the show that we have about four or five epic sunsets a year here. I reckon that's one of them. I think I, I think I did okay. Um, the, I could see the high cloud, so it's great right now. When I lock the shop up, it's five o'clock. It gives me forty minutes. As it, well, the sunset tonight was five forty-seven, so it gives me forty minutes yeah. to get down there and and get a shot. So saw the high cloud, went down there, did a bucket load of photos along that. Um, along that beach you can see bottom left, which is the edge of the Barwon River. Um, and, yeah, just happened to have the drone with me, as I always do. So I thought, nah, there's too many good reflections happening here. That's actually only a little part of a much wider panoramic shot. But, um, of course, Zoom doesn't let me do panoramas. So that's the part that you get. So, yeah, that, that was me. Uh, excellent. Um, yeah, it's a lovely shot. You're right. Um, it's not every day you get a nice sunset like that uh, or a no. sunrise, depending where you are. Um, that's right. So speaking of sunrises, um, yes, Cameron, you're one in you're you're one end of the day. I'm at the other end of the day, so I'll just put my are. little thing up here. Uh, so this was just the other day, probably about four mornings ago. At the uh, wonder if you can guess where that is, Brendan. Where it is? Do you know? Mm, it's a tough the one. Sydney Sydney Harbour Bridge. Yes, it is indeed the Sydney Harbour Bridge, as seen from Cradle Mountain, Tasmania. Hmm. Um, so we had a, a couple of start the start of the workshop. We had a bit of rain and mist, and actually had a little bit of snow. Uh, but it just one of those mornings uh, where everything went right. The, the the skies cleared, not an absolute breath of wind anywhere. We went down to the famous little Dove Lake uh, boathouse. The light was just catching the peaks, as you can see, and we snapped away. So. Again, these are almost out of camera, these. When you get conditions like this, they're absolutely amazing. So a little bit of contrast and a little bit of this, a little bit of that. That um, is a spectacular scene. It's such a good spot. And in, and it doesn't happen that often, these kind of mornings. So I must admit, for any of the guests that were on the Cradle Mountain shop workshop, um, yes, I was a bit worried after a couple of days and we were just getting absolute shite weather. I'm thinking this is going to be real hard. We're getting wet. We're getting drops all over our lenses. We're getting cold. You know, we're getting leeches. There's a few leeches. So uh, it was a bit tricky. Um, mm-hmm. But then you get a morning like this and you're just like, right. It's almost like the point. Um, and I'm sure we'll have it on our Murray Mallee workshop as well. But there'll be a point when you just get something epic going on with light where you just go, right, 
regardless of what happens for the rest of this trip, this is pretty good. This (laughs) we've got this. So that was this moment here, and every every one of my guests was like their their mood just swung 180 degrees. They're like, right. And uh, I had five star Dan on the trip with me, as he does on most trips now. Um, And he'd never been to Cradle Mountain. This is his first time, and he didn't see it. Blown away. Well, he he was. He didn't see it for the first couple of days, and then he saw this, and he looked at me. He goes. Cousin Cam, I get it. I get it why you like mm. this place. This is pretty mm-hmm. special. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that, that's Cradle Mountain. Uh, we had a yeah, a few um, nice days. Of, couple of questions without notice. Um, mm. Were you the only people there? Just your group on that Sunday? Uh, on this morning, there was one gentleman from South Australia um, who was there early. He uh, was just around the corner, a bit further from us here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was yeah. There's no other groups there. It was all individuals. Uh, right. There was a few early risers who came down, just like happy snappers. Um, and there was a lovely couple of ladies from Thailand were down on one of the sunsets we did from here. Yeah, uh, It was quite funny because most of the people on the group actually had Olympus, which is unusual. Yeah. Um, and this lady came down with her older sister and they were both freezing their butts off. It was cold. Uh, but this girl was sitting there and she was taking almost the same shot as this and her legs were just shaking and she's keeping her legs warm and trying to move and trying to move. But to her credit, she's like, no, nah, I'm not moving. I want to get this shot. It's lovely. Yeah. So we helped him out. We said, look, you know what? You're better off. Just stay around a bit longer. The light might do something for us. It might not. Um, and we got a nice little sunset for us. So yeah, um, beautiful. Good lesson. A good lesson of not moving. Because my um, that photo behind you, my worst nightmare would be uh, – a lovely little family pop down with some kids who like to throw rocks in lakes. Yeah, no, Ooh. it's a bit. Of, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you know what makes bigger splashes in rocks? Mm-hmm. Kids, Ch- children. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the, everyone was really good. It's actually it was one of the first times I've been in a cradle for a while where everyone was quite respectful to everything. Like people came down, yeah. and there was actually a family from. I think they were visiting from Spain. Um, and they they saw us there, and they had they had kids, and they're like, oh look, just it, you could tell their own language. They were saying, look, just um, keep yeah. away from the people there, and and we're like, oh, would you like to get a photo of you guys in front of the mountain? And oh, that'd be great. Yep, absolutely. And so we took their photo, and they were all happy. So, but it was really good. People were being quite respectful, um, yeah. and not only just to um, us, but just the park in general. Like the, there was no litter. There was no one, no idiots going around. It was just it's a really a, nice. It's a very um, pristine national park, oh. isn't it? It's, oh, it's totally. Pretty, like it's... I, I want to say it's well kept. It's not because it's naturally how it is, but it's uh, mm. it, it's it's very well. Like everything, all the infrastructure that has been put in by humans is pretty well yeah. maintained. It, lo- it looks fantastic. Yeah, that's that is. It's um, and it, it's it's so pristine that even the smallest little thing you see, uh. So down around the corner from where we were here, there was like a one liter bottle of water that yep. someone had accidentally left there. I haven't thrown it; it's sort of half full. They just accidentally left it there, but it stuck out like yeah. dogs' nads because yeah. like, oh, what's that blue bottle over there? So yeah, <laughs> if you do, and this should be a rule across the board: if any any national park you go to, just pick up your rubbish or just be careful not to drop little tissues out of your pocket or whatever. Leave the animals alone, you know. Just just enjoy it for what it is, and. um you know, Take only well, photos like and leave only footprints, as they say. That's the one. There you go. You've got it worked out. So, um, yeah. Yeah, okay. We're going to turn the episode upside down. Maybe it's a 90 thing. We're in the nervous 90s. Um, we're going to oh. start with Dear Cam. Um, oh, okay. And, and, you'll, and you'll see why as we go through. Dear Cam, 
Um, oh, dear Cam and Brendo. It's amazing. I've got, I, people call me so many different things. Like I've got Brendo, a name for you. Brendo. I've got a good mate who calls me Benny and that's all he'll ever call me. Benny and the Jets. I've Benny. Got a, oh, I've, yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. I've got a weird nickname that my dad calls me that I'm not saying on here. I've got um oh, I've got, come on now, you gotta tell us. I've got Brens that you yep. you and Mel like to call me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry, I'm going. Who cares? Whatever. I think uh, I called you Brenda once, didn't I? Probably. you you don't call me Wadesy. No, I never have, have I? No, that's fine. Yeah. Whatever. That's yeah, just not me your thing. I get it. True. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Dear Cam and Brendo, I have a question that we have all faced at one stage or another, have we what? What do you gentlemen do when you are facing photographer's block? It's a thing, folks. I am currently going through this, and usually I would just go out and shoot. I would shoot wherever I would shoot wherever I go, and eventually my head is in the right space again. This time I'm just struggling to find any motivation. Any thoughts from Brett W. Another BW. Yeah. Hello, Brett. BW. BW. Brendan Waits. Uh, I've got a pretty simple answer to this, and you'll agree with this. Go Ooh. play golf. Mm-hmm. no um I, I agree with that <laughs> so yeah i think uh yeah we we certainly all do, do go through these little um f- yeah time periods where we're just not in the right mojo or you just can't get the shots you want or you're sort of struggling but i uh, know i find that when i get like that I, I probably do the opposite i probably put my camera away Mm-hmm. And what I normally do, like for example, I've been to Cradle Mountain a million times, but sometimes I've been there where the lights is not right, or I'm just thinking through my head, I've taken this shot a thousand times. Why am I doing it again? So I sometimes get a bit down on myself like that. And if that's the case, what I actually do is put my camera away and go for a walk around the place where I am, just explore. And I think what that can do is just because you can't you can feel pressure it, depending what doesn't matter what level of photography you are, you can feel a bit of pressure sometimes that. That you've got to keep producing images. It's like a, it's a it's an addiction. I spoke about this with my cousin Dan the other day. Um, he was talking about. He goes, "Geez, you got a lot of cameras." I'm like, "I'm addicted to it. It's something I'm addicted to." Hmm. Um, and when you're addicted to something, it's really hard not to want to do it all the time. And then if you want to do it, you want to do it well. So if you're in a bit of a rut, um, my advice, which works for me, is I generally just put the camera away. And just enjoy using my eyes as my camera, so to speak. Just looking at things and just thinking, okay, I've you know I've been to this place before, but that looks nice. And you, automatically, you just start clearing out your thoughts about photography and just enjoying the moment. And that seems to bring back a bit more passion for me to get back out there. Um, or the other option is just go explore somewhere you've never been before, where you would never think to have shot, uh, and go challenge yourself. So go the other way, sort of challenge yourself a bit more and go somewhere you've never been or maybe shoot on a setting or a lens focal length that you've never shot before uh, and, and turn it up that way a bit. Your your last two points were my first two when I read oh, this. Geez, geez um, we're alike, aren't we? <laughs> we are. Um, well, I guess we are. Um, <laughs> my first thought was get in the car and go yeah. somewhere new. Now, yeah. now, Brett W, that, that might mean getting in your car and it might be a four-hour drive. But so be it. Um, if you're keen to re-spark your photographic juices, get get in the car and go somewhere. Go somewhere that you've yeah. always, yeah, I want to, I should have gone there that time, or you know, I've never been there before, and it's it's only four hours away. I'm going to drive there. Yeah, that's what I would do first. And the second thing I would do when I got there, 
is put on my biggest zoom lens I can find and start exploring the landscape within landscapes that we talk about all the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Uh, and exactly what Cam just said, challenge yourself. Now I'm not saying for a minute that you, that you think you've achieved everything and that's why you've got photographer's block. It's, it's sometimes quite the opposite. You haven't done anything and, and you feel mm-hmm. like you're, you know, you just, you get in a rut and I get it. I totally get it. But um, yep. Option one, go for a big drive. Option two, clip on the biggest zoom lens you've got. I'll tell you another one that gets me in the mood a fair bit. Um, and I've said this before, and I, I have this inner thought about this, about music and photography. I think there's some sort of connection there. They're different art forms, but they have a lot of similarities, I think. And one thing that gets me in the mood sometimes is exactly that. Go for a drive and put some music on. But different genres of music sometimes stir different emotions in me when I'm taking photography or taking yep. photographs. Yep. Uh, one, one of my favorite people to listen to is Mark Knopfler, who used to be Dire Straits. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of solo stuff, but in his songs, he has these incredible, beautiful stories about just random stuff. So, you know, he's got one song about the guy that makes his guitars and talks about how the, he crafts the wood and does all the wood chips and stuff like that. And sometimes the stories in his in his songs spark something about, you know, Tasmania or where I am, you know, you might be in the outback and you might think about the explorers and the people that used to walk through there and, you know, walk on horseback and all that kind of stuff or, mm. you know, the explorers, the, the the people down here in Tassie doing the hiking and stuff like that. So that's another one as well. Maybe put some music on and, you know, just, just listen to some words and try and see if you can create some stories similar to a song, but to create some stories out of your photography as well, yeah. a bit more of a challenge. No, that's right. And and I think the phrase, you know, looking for inspiration is what you're talking about there. And, and quite yeah. often yeah. I find inspiration in, so if you do, um, you know, plan to go somewhere new that you haven't been before, do a quick Google search, look at some images of that area as well yeah. and see what has been already achieved there. Uh, and then set up your timings. Like, okay, I need to be mm-hmm. here at sunset. I need to be here at sunrise. I need to be here in the middle of the day, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. Give yourself a little bit of a schedule rather than going out and literally shooting blind. I think um, yep. that can really help with photographer's block. Um, mm. And of course, the last thing and the, and the best thing you can do is just go out and buy yourself a new camera. That'll make you <laughs> want to take photos. Yeah. <laughs> if all else if all else fails, throw your camera away and get a new exactly. one. Clearly that's not working. It's giving you yep. photographer's block. That's right. Um, yeah, I know. It's, it's a funny thing. Um, I think you're right. Just, uh, I think you got to, we've got to, we've got to, as photographers, we've got to not stress about going out. You don't always have to take a photo. That That's the, that's the, the main thing is that. Yeah, that's a fair if point. You got, and yeah, I, I agree if, with that. Because yeah. the amount of times where I've gone out and, and on a sh- shoot or with the intention to shoot and then had to get in the car empty handed, I always rip off a couple of frames, but you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's quite a flat feeling, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah. it happens. That's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it does. And, uh, like I said, there's that pressure that you've always got to try and take a photo of something. You don't. Um, mm. Really, the photo is about the memory of somewhere you've been or something that's quite amazing or a, a moment that you that you have. Um, if we're trying to create, force create those moments all the time with our photography, um, then you, you are. You're going to get in a rut because you're going to sort of lose your direction of what you're doing it for. So my advice to Brett would be, yeah, exactly what we said. Clear the mind, go for a drive, put some music on, put the camera away. It'll come back. If you're passionate about photography, you're always going to be passionate about photography. Correct. Um, so you just got to play the waiting game a bit, really. No, I agree. Um, and yeah. the reason I wanted to put that deer cam first, because it sort of flows into one of our main topics for discussion tonight, which we won't spend overly long on, but um, I, I I wanted to ask you, Cam, um, yeah. how long you would generally spend 
on the one composition. In other words, you see a composition. Yep. You're in, you've, the light's good. How long? Yep. I mean, where, do you reach a point when you take a shot and you go, done? Or or, uh, is it, or, or you just yeah. keep going until the light's gone? Or it's, no. yeah. See, I, it's, it's, I must admit, this is something I've noticed about the way you and I shoot. Um, so you, you seen, I think you're a very like, go here, go there, take a shot here, take a shot there, put the drone up here, go over there. Like you, yeah. you try and be very, uh, proactive with your time in your, with your photography Yes. where I, I'm a bit, I'm a bit the opposite. I, I sort of just wander. And then, and I think going back to exactly what you said about the, the, the deer cam question, I, I find that if I don't, uh, limit myself, to slowing down i get into photographer's block real quick yeah because i i chasing compositions left right and center and then i just get really shitty with it that none of them are working <laughs> and then i then i walk away and think oh this is this is a waste of time i did, shouldn't have come here so how much how long do i take on a composition i don't i don't take too long but if i if i find something i like i'll work with it so like the challenge like for the shot behind me here i've taken this shot many times but the challenge is how do i come up with a composition that's a little bit different and the only thing that's different in this shot to any other shot I've done is the conditions that it's nice and smooth and reflective. So I spent a little bit of time here, probably I reckon I spent five, 10 minutes on this one shot, um, did a couple of shots, gave the light a bit of time to change. The light was moving down the mountain. So I gave it about five, 10 minutes. But I think on average, I reckon I would spend no more than probably 10 minutes on a composition if it was absolutely really, really good. Um, I'd want to be, yeah, probably give myself 10 minutes um it's a little bit different as well i remember i was just watching our good friend ben horn's latest episodes for his on youtube if you, people haven't watched him look a up good youtuber folks isn't he yeah look him up we'll, we'll link him horn. again under this episode he's fantastic yeah um so he just went to the southern canyons of utah which sparked my interest because we're going to utah soon um and he takes his big eight by ten sheet film camera and um sets up and does his shots um all the time but he he sits on a composition sometimes an hour or two because he he sets up his composition. It's very hard to focus on those large format cameras. So he has to get everything right. And then he's waiting for the light, mm. which is what we all should be doing. But what we do with digital photography, we're like, well, there's a light, snap, 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 snap. We really should be shooting a bit like Ben where we go, right, we're going to this spot. I want to find two or three really good compositions for this sunset and I'm going to work with them. And as soon as the light happens, then I can start snapping. Um, but you want to be prepared with your composition so yeah um, yeah exactly and, and have and how many frames i take um i reckon this shot behind me was maybe a, i reckon no more than probably a series of four to six frames yeah. that's it um and one thing i did notice quite interesting that you raised this as well on the workshop we just did uh with this exact morning that the light was creeping down that mountain as we go and the guests were to shoot 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 and i'm like guys just take a second i said this is not changing every 10 seconds. No. It's not probably not changing every 30 seconds, but it's probably changing every two or three minutes. So let's limit the amount of shots we do, but make sure we get the ones that we get right. Yeah. So not only does that help when you get back to your computer, you don't have 400 shots to go through. You've only got 100 to go through instead. So, um, yeah. So that, that'd be the way I, I approach things. Um, yeah. I, I teach one last thing. I, I teach in, in a lot of workshops. Um, I call it the Cath now, C A T H, like Cath and Kim. You've added, so, you've added a, a consonant. I've added, I've added, I've added a H. So C is the composition. So that's the first thing I'm looking for. Look at where's my composition. What am I going to do? You know, how's it going to work? 
And then I'm looking at my aperture, you know, what, what sort of depth of field do I want? Then the T is the time of day. So if I'm there at the right time of day, then I know I'm pretty good at getting a good shot at that. And then the H I chuck on the end is the histogram. Go back and make sure your histogram's right. You're not blowing out your skies or losing shadows and stuff like that. But yep. co composition is first. So, you know, you should probably spend a bit extra time in your setup on your composition and then less on the rest of it. Yeah. No. What I, about I you? No, I, I agree. Um, and you are spot on. You've seen me in action. So you see me take photos. I I probably do have ADHD um, and and I can't sit still. And when I'm out taking photos and the light's starting to come, that's when the adrenaline comes for me. Yeah. Um, so that's it. And I think that's the drug you were talking about. That's the addiction, right? It's yep. that's what you, yeah. that's what you want. And the prime example was two weeks ago on the Great Ocean Road for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was actually quite funny because that the the shot I did of the waterfall going over the cliff at the Great Ocean Road was um, my camera had to be locked off on a tripod, right? Right. And that frustrated me. It was just like, God damn it! Like I've just got this is it. Uh, now now what do I do? You know, or I've got yeah. that. And and yeah, yeah it's so like a straitjacket. You can't move. It kind of is, um, which was probably good for me because it did make me really yeah. hone the composition. Um, yeah. Ball heads on tripods. I know this is a bit left field, but ball heads on tripods for me, I love them because yep. I can set my camera, my tripod up and then just make the slightest adjustments with a ball head, yep. you know, turning it two degrees, panning it slightly up, slightly down, obviously straightening the horizon. If you're listening, Matt, that, that's, you that's, that's unlike you. Yeah, exactly. At who? <laughs> not even alive, not even alive um, anymore, are they? Oh, I don't know. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, I just it was funny because as I say, the 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 tripod was figuratively and literally an anchor where I just had yeah. to stop, you know, and, and make yeah. it make it work. But you're right, I do um I do zap around a lot. When the when the light's mm. happening, I, I might have scoped out five or six compositions and just you know, an hour ago and just gone, right, mm. when the light comes, I want that, I want that, that, and that. And yep. yeah, I will. I'll try my best to zip around and get it. Um, you know good example is this shot behind me as well. That sunset was awesome. And there were some really cool compositions along the river, but I just knew that the drone was where it was at. So I really mm. quickly got my shots at ground level and then just yeah. got that drone up in the air. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny you say, you know, that adrenaline kick and that, that drug that kicks in with the, you know, the lights going off and you bang, 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 bang. Yeah. For me, my little adrenaline kick or little excitement actually comes after I've pressed the shutter. So mm. My excitement isn't the light as such. It isn't necessarily the location. That my excitement's the composition. Yeah. So if I set something up and go, bang, yeah, that looks great. It looks pretty good on the screen. If I take a photo and it it just sort of speaks to me or just pops out. I hate saying speaks to me. It's such a wanky term for things. Um, if it pops off the screen and it looks nice to me, then that's where my I, my adrenaline kicks in. I'm like, right, I'm on a winner here. Yeah. Now, now I can wait for now I can wait for the light. I know I got something really good. So like, for example, the one behind us here, I had this set up before that light. I knew what was going to happen because I've been there, but I had this set up before the lights even touched the, the top of the peak there. Yeah. And I'm like, yep, cool. This looks good. I think it's going to work with the reflections. And as soon as that light came down, I'm like, right, bang, we're on here. You know, it's game on. So it's funny. Everyone has their own little, little, uh, little twerks that make them excited about photography. But yeah. Um, yeah. As far as being out in the field though, like I, I find particularly in our own backyards and, and what mm. you just said is right. And and particularly, as I say, on this shoot the other night, 
is I think it really is important to give yourself as much time as possible, even mm. even to the point where it might be ridiculous, like you know, getting to a location at three o'clock in the afternoon for the sunset, because if you can, obviously, if you can, um, yeah. you know, scoping out and using using apps like uh, photo pills to show you where the sun yeah. is going to set, how the light's going to interact with your subject and all that sort of stuff is really important when you're in the field so that you don't miss it. And, and yeah. a lot of the times, like I know when I'm in Tasmania, Cam, I'm not in Tasmania very often. So, you know, when the light comes, so uh, a good example as well was after we'd done the hike and mm. my wife and the kids were we drove out to Richmond where the bridge is yep. yeah, on the yep. way back from Richmond was when the light was actually happening at its best. Yeah, And I just saw this little shed on a hill. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> everyone's face goes through the window. Um, Stopped the car, got out, you know, and, you know, and, and, and trying to capture, and I ended up taking about 17 photos of this bloody thing, but yeah. I'm not going to be there again. Like that's, that was my only chance to get that shot. So it's it is again it's funny you say that because on the way back from Cradle Mountain we had two cars for we had two four drives, and Five Star Dan was in the one behind me and we're driving back down the Midlands of Tassie and mm-hmm. it was golden hour like it yeah. was yeah it was a pure golden hour and I'm driving along and I I didn't even have to like didn't even have to say anything to Dan I just knew what was going through his head, and we had the two way radios going we we decided as we left Lonnie because we've been talking nonstop the whole way on the workshop he goes i'm going to put a podcast on listen to some music i'll talk to you in a couple of hours like yeah let's have a break yeah and this light popped up and i hear this cam 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 <laughs> i started to turn the music down I'm like what's up dan how good's the bloody light and he like, he's he's loving his fatigue he's getting right into his photography but it was going off anyway we come over this one part that you come over and it looks down over the mountains and the valleys all out to mount uh, out to hobart and he goes, can we stop and, and take a photo here? I'm like, oh, it's like this all the time, mate. Just don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, we'll, yeah. Get, we'll, we'll get home. He's like, but I, I don't I don't come here. Like, I'm not here very often. Yeah, like, yeah. did we stop? No. I said, keep going. But that's okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, you you, you want to get that shot that you've never seen before or been before. So, um, yeah, it's a really good question. But I think for people that are listening, I think, I think we need to learn patience in photography again still. Like, people... And I see it all the time. Doesn't and even people just do rock up at Cradle Mountain as general public. They're all in a rush to get a photo and yeah, snap that well, moment. That, that, and that's get, the um, and that's go. the that's the phone thing, right? I mean, you know, they just rip the yeah. phone out. That's just a habit. You just rip the phone out, get your shot, and that's it. Yeah. But you know, they're not they're not photographers per se. They're happy snappers, no. and and you know, mm. for generations we've had people taking holiday snaps there's nothing wrong with that you know yeah so true. we had 35 mil instamatic cameras you know forever hanamex our little hanamex point and shooters you know that sort of stuff mm. yeah um so I, I i guess in a way i understand that but i think that's where you and i are at a massive advantage when we're in uh naturally beautiful areas yeah. i personally think well and all our listeners as well i think you guys you all have an advantage because you will naturally take more of it in when you're a photographer when, yep. when you're looking for the compositions and looking for the light, when you start looking for light, you start, you see textures naturally. And mm. I, I guarantee you those people who just pop their phone up and get a quick shot and a selfie and then leave, they ain't seeing that. Yep. And they're not experiencing that place like you are. Not that there's anything wrong with that. That's how they choose to experience it. That's fine. Yep. But yep. I know as a photographer and I know our listeners as photographers are getting way more out of these natural areas because yep. they're photographers. Yeah, I, I still say it to this day. The, the biggest compliments I get as a photographer is 
not about, oh, that's a lovely photo camera, really. It's amazing, whatever you did, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's the people that come up to you and just go, geez, you must see the world in the beautiful light. I'm like, but that's how I that's how I see everything. Like, that's don't yeah. don't you see that beauty behind you? Yeah, but I just I just look at it for a second. and I keep walking. I'm like, well, we don't. We look at it for an hour, that's right. and 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 remember it. So we're we're very lucky. If if you're a photographer, passionate with your photography, we we are a very lucky percentage of the of the human race that get to see things beautiful all the time. More often than not, we see more beautiful scenes than we see ugly scenes. Where so many other people, I don't know what it'd be like to be normal, like to put your head up in the clouds and just walk around not seeing yeah. all this beauty. Um, I think people generally, um, you know, they appreciate nature and beauty, but I think we we tech, we sort of go to a different level with that because not only do we see it, we're also trying to record it, which takes a bit more. We've got to take a bit more brain power to do that. Yeah, um, It's a good thing. Like we said last week, photography, It's yeah. how good is it? It's a good thing. <laughs> that was a very good um, subject line last week. It was. If you've got any feedback that you'd like to give us about our topics along the way, by all means, um, hit us up in the comments below. Find us on Facebook, The Down South Photo Show, or head to our website, dsps.com.au, and you will see a lot of information about us there. Hey, you. There used to be an ad there. There used to be an ad on TV, like something, something. Hey, you. Yeah, probably. Um, We we have two topics tonight. Yeah. Because Cam, Cam wants to talk. About the thing that's <laughs> yeah, going this, on in his neck of the is, woods at the moment. Yeah, I do want, and I wasn't going to bring this up, but I saw something today, and I'm like, you know what? I'll bring it up. We don't have to name names or doing that kind of stuff. But um, so the, at the moment, there's a there's a little storm in a teacup starting to rise down here in mm-hmm. Tasmania about um, about someone who runs a YouTube channel. Um, it's a YouTube channel I really like, and it's a it's a person I actually support with their little, you know, give them a support each month type of thing. Um, and I think what they do is is quite good. And they 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 research a lot of the history of Tasmania and they go to these amazing places and record it. So what's happened in the recent uh, days is this person has now been um, approached or um, sent a letter by Tasmania Parks and Wildlife about the use of certain drones, the use of taking photos, the use of doing videos on national park and reserved or crown land. And it's going to open up a huge can of worms down here because this person has a pretty big online following um, and rightly so, because they do a great job. Um, but they have admitted that they've, you know, they've maybe been a bit naive in, the, in what they understood about doing what they do. Um, they, they make money off their YouTube. That's clear. Um, and they probably get a few other perks out of it as well. So it sort of got me thinking uh, based on this video I saw today from this person about, you know, he, he's now being told that he needs to get a business license or a commercial license, similar to what I have, to do his YouTube stuff in the national parks or reserve lands or crown land, and he takes photos as well. Um, but he raised a really good point in that video. He said, well, if I'm making money off my YouTube from videos and photography, how can all these other photographers go and make calendars and sell books and sell prints and all this kind of stuff? Does that mean they all have to have the commercial license to photograph on the national park? So it's going to become an absolute shit fight down here because uh, Tassie being Tassie, there's going to be people that are pro and against this person. Um, And I have a feeling this person is going to be maybe made an example of by Parks and Wildlife. Um, The last thing I saw was in regards to some drone use in the park and they had him up on 11 charges. They're actually thinking of taking him to court and charging him 
which each held a fine of over $4,000, I think, from memory. So that's a lot of money for stuff. So um, I hope it gets sorted out uh, for the sake of this person and everyone involved. But it sort of got me thinking that, you know, and I, I get asked a lot because this came up on our workshop. Someone asked me like, well, do I need a license now? Because I'm here with you taking photos in the park. If I go and sell these or put them in a calendar or do whatever I do with them, does that mean I have to apply for the commercial license? And it raises a really good question because it's across the board. It's national parks across Australia have very similar rules. Yeah. That if you're taking a photo and then using it for commercial gain, by the letter of the law, you need a commercial license to do so. Yeah. So um, it's going to be interesting. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, it is. It, it seems mm. to me like the laws have become quite lax, but they're not really being followed up. Yeah. Followed up. Um, I seem to remember that being the case forever and a day that that's what you needed but yeah um i haven't seen or heard much about it for probably the last five years or longer really yeah yeah uh, any, any of this sort of stuff now is it mm. the case that this youtuber has become quite popular um and mm. got quite a lot of followers and of course the parks are just looking at that going well here's here's an here's a big fish that we can land to set a big example well, that's the that's the angle this person's taking. Um, mm. uh, he, he's sort of throwing out the you know the, the terms discrimination and targeting and stuff like that. Um, I, I've had this person contact me about my license and how it works for me, and I, I explained that I have the business license and that sort of covers me to do what I need to do and et cetera, et cetera. I do workshops, you know, and photos are just sort of part of that. Um, but I, I think what it what it opens up is that. There's a lot of people out there that don't know the rules and don't know what they can and can't do in parks. Um, I, I have no doubt that their parks and wildlife are, are sort of using this person as an example. Mm. But I also, and this is not through any knowledge I have, but I also would, I would bet my house on it that someone in Tasmania has also reported this person to yeah. parks and wildlife. Um, I've had people report me to Parks and Wildlife and to CASA about drones and photography and stuff like that. Um, I guess the problem with this one is that he he looks like he might be in the wrong for a lot of it, yeah. Uh, through through naivety or whatever it might be, or just being stubborn. But um, yeah, I think this one's going to be a big issue, and and it's might become a bit of a national issue because if they make a, an example of this person who goes and does YouTube clips and stuff like that, you know. Where's the precedent there for exactly what you said? This used to be a rule. It's always been a rule that you need a commercial license to produce photography or film on a, on national park land. Yeah, you know now now all of a sudden, it, it, like I said, it's dropped off a bit, and now all of a sudden it's back in in the forefront of everyone. So are they going to have they going to have rangers checking going down and checking, for example, Dove Lake, checking people that have a license if they're just there a, taking photos. Just a- a point there is it is it national parks or is it state reserves is it what's the in 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 Tasmania it is anything that is national park or managed by national parks okay so here if you want to fly a drone here's another note a notice of don't do it in Tasmania I reckon there's about two percent of Tasmania that you could fly a drone in the rest of it is either a national park a conservation reserve a reserve crown land near an airport or a marine park you, you can't yeah. fly anywhere. Um, and if you do, and this is this is the point that this person's making as well, with the business license, especially for drone licensing and, and doing video production, you need to give advance notice of when you're going to do that. 
course. Um, yeah. You know, for example, if I had to do that, I'd have to ring up Parks and say, oh, I think Tuesday morning might be a cracking sunrise at Cradle Mountain. Could I please have a permit to go stand there just in case it happens? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a funny way they do it. Yeah. Um, but for someone like that who, who sort of goes off the tracks a bit and whatever else, it's going to be really interesting. So like, I can already think, I can already hear people now sitting at home or in their cars thinking, well, shit, I've been to all these national parks before. Hmm. Yeah, in my local ones, whatever. And I take photos and I've put them on calendars or I've sold prints of them. Does that mean that I'm opening myself up to potential issues? Well, I, I would say everyone needs to probably have a good look at um, what the, the national park rules, yeah, regulations are in the national parks. But it's going to be interesting. Um, this this person, like I said, he's got a big following online. Uh, I can already see where it's going to go. If he does get fined, it'll get covered by the people that support his YouTube and Patreon channels and stuff yeah, like that. There'll be a Kickstarter and something and cover it. Yeah. Um, but... I'm also a bit uh, in the background. I'm a bit like, well, if if he gets away with this in a way, like if they just turn around and say, well, you know what? Yep, no worries. You don't need a business license. You just keep well, that, doing what you're doing. What message are they sending exactly? So yeah, what message? Because we we pay good money each year to do this. Yeah. Um. So it's a real tricky one for him. It's a real tricky one for parks, and it's a tricky one for us business runners already have commercial licenses as well as to what happens well, down I here. Mean, but I don't know if it's that tricky. I mean, to your point there, it's pretty clear cut isn't it i mean you know he's well it should he's be pro- profiteering by shooting imagery in a yep. national park and yep. that's against the law mm. i don't see i don't see any leeway i mean and, and you're exactly right parks hands are tied they made the rules they've got to re- they've got to enforce them or it's an open slather you know yeah so um I understand his predicament, sure, but mm. uh, ignorance of the law is no excuse, Cameron. No, it's not. But it got me thinking because you know, I'm a thinker. <laughs> what about what about Peter Dombrowskis? Yeah. What about what about all the work of his that still gets sold down mm-hmm. here in Tasmania? Like he still sells books and posters and prints. Mm-hmm. It's managed by I'm assuming well, his wife or his estate his, does. His, yeah, his estate does. <clears throat> um, does he? Do, do they need to apply for a commercial license to still? sell images from 30, 40 years ago. Like, yeah, how does it right. work? Where does it, where, where does the buck stop? Um, where do you draw the line? Yeah. We've got some great, amazing photographers down here. Um, lots of great photographers who come to Tasmania. Lots of them live down here. All go and profit from can our I, national parks. Can I offer up a win-win here? Sure. I'll the win-win, the win-win is that the person in that we're speaking of, yeah. um, pays for a license, pays for it now. Yep. Parks grant them that license. Mm-hmm. Parks then have the right to use all of his footage he's already shot for <laughs> promotional purposes and things like that. That's a win-win because he yep. is he is bringing people to those parks. He is, totally. Right. So, And he's advertising Tasmania. Mm-hmm. So yep. Tourism Tasmania need to, you know, they, they need to, put a positive spin on something like this, I believe. And I think that is the solution is, okay, we, you're going to, you're going to get this license and you're going to pay for it. And this is how much it's going to be. You've got a suspended sentence, a suspended fine. In other words, if you stuff up again, we're fining you properly. But in the meantime, we have access to all of your footage. Wouldn't that be blackmail? Uh, I don't think so. 
Wouldn't they be? See, I, no, it's I don't, a compromise. I, I, don't, I don't see it as blackmail. I, I think that's I, it's, I, a, it's, a, it's a healthy compromise where he gets to continue to do what he's doing mm. and promoting Tasmania. They get to enforce their laws to the public, and they also yeah. get to use the footage. But that that's holding that's holding him over a barrel, really, because they mm-hmm. they're saying they're saying, well, if you get the license, yeah, we'll grant it to you. But to get the when you get the license, we want some of your imagery to promote the state. They that what what I don't know what what should happen to me is. If if I was the person in charge of parks who's doing this, and it's not tourism, it's parks and wildlife, so yep. they're a bit different. Tourism yep. pff, tourism wouldn't pay for anyone's images because they're they don't care; they just want to milk them for free. Yep. Where parks are a bit more of a the policing side of things. So to me, what a nice outcome of this would be is that they give him a very stern warning and say, right, and I think you're right, suspend the fines. Yeah, you know, you've got fifty thousand dollars worth of fines hanging over your head for illegal this, this, and that. We're going to hold them suspended. Uh, you need to get your license uh, and you need to tick all the right boxes. And I, and I would say they need to give him a suspended sentence of some sort. They need to put him on a, pro- a probation period yep. for 12 months before they grant that license or something like that, where he has to get, he has to follow the letter of the law in regards to that commercial license for 12 months without making any upsets or any boo-boos. And then they'll grant him the license. But I don't think it's going to happen like that. I, I, I don't know this person. I've never met him personally. I've met him a few times online. But I get the feeling that they might go down and play the wear a victim card here, yeah, uh, and start getting media involved and start sort of ruffling a few feathers. And I think if he has a backing of quite a lot of people, I think this is going to explode into a bigger issue for Parks and Wildlife because he's going to start naming other wildlife photographers and videographers out there who yeah. he knows doesn't have licenses, and it's going to make uh, Parks and Wildlife look stupid. But yeah. then he's never going to get a license if he does that either because he's bringing that department into disrepute. So yeah, watch this, watch this space. Um, I, I know there's a lot of mainlanders who would probably watch this guy. He does some amazing adventures through Tassie. Uh, you don't have to dig too far to find him on YouTube. Uh, what he does, you're exactly right. He's bringing people to Tasmania. Um, but Parks's issue is that he's he, through that he's influencing people by flying drones, lighting fires in national parks, yeah, doing this, doing this and doing that. So it's an interesting one, but the question is, and we might come back on the next episode and have a look at this, but you know, if you are taking photos as a photographer and then selling them commercially, which means that could be just a canvas, Brendan, that you've sold. Yeah. That's a commercial sale. Do you need a license within your national park to do that? Mm. I would say by the letter of the law, 90% of it will be yes, yeah. which is a bit of a scary thing. It is. Um, it'd be interesting to have a look at also um, world heritage areas versus national park as well. Um, whether there's you, you probably know whether there's a yeah. That's that's not it's still it's still classed as national park. <laughs> yeah. um, it probably has an extra level of protection on it. Yeah. Right. Um, but you know, th- this is where it becomes a bit of an issue, like especially with drones and stuff like that. So if anyone's been to Cradle Mountain, right, you've got the Cradle Mountain Lodge, that classic lodge that's there. Technically, that is outside the park boundaries. So you could take your, you could, you could fly your drone from the car park at that lodge, go up and go five kilometers into the park, take a photo of Cradle Mountain and come back. And yeah. technically, you haven't broken any rules in regards to CASA or the national parks because you're not taking off a landing in the park. The national parks don't own the airspace, CASA own the airspace. So th- there's all these loopholes and gray areas around where yeah. you can put drones up and take photos and all this kind of stuff. And it must be a nightmare to manage. Um, because everyone's got a camera these days, you know. 
Oh, I don't for a second think that it would be easy at all. I mean, it's, mm. yeah, it'd be it'd be a horrible job to have to police all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, yeah interesting, interesting chat. Um, I, I'd be I'd be curious to see where this where this ends up. So, mm. you'll, uh... I, yeah, I think I think it's going to get bigger before it gets done. Um, yep. I know based on what I saw today, there's going to be another meeting between Parks and this person, and it's not just him. There's a couple of other YouTubers that have been pulled up. Um, for doing stuff in the parks, and they've done a couple of collaborations together. It's so funny, so, isn't some, it? because it's all recorded. It's all all the evidence is right there. Or well, that's the thing. What one of the one of the things they've got him on is um, breaking uh, breaking off standing or living trees. Oh, right. And in one of the that's, in one of the that's, that's not in, good, Cameron. In one of the videos, they they have like a little campfire, and I haven't seen the video, but from what he explains, he pulls off like this dead branch off a tree. So the tree's dead, but he puts it on. He, he breaks it off, and they've they've got him on that. So like they're getting really nitty gritty about what they're going after him about. I would imagine um, that is considered destruction of habitat, though. It, it is, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I have no doubt. Like I said, I would bet my house on it, and I reckon I could narrow it down to about three different individuals. But I guarantee you, someone in Tasmania has dobbed him in, yeah, um, and sitting back and just watching this unfold. So. Watch this space. We might give an update next episode about what happens if anything happens and whether we can get to the bottom. So, yeah, double check that. Just be careful when you're taking shots in national parks. If you're a person that listens to this who does pretty well selling prints or calendars or puts books together and sells them at a market or whatever, just be mindful. You might need a commercial license to do so. Good chatter. Um, mm. Let's have a look at uh, where are we at here? Uh, beer donations this week, Cameron. Yeah. Hey, have you noticed what I've been drinking my beer? I can put it up here in Cradle Mountain becomes it, my beer. It does. I have noticed that. Well, You're drinking in, yeah. drinking in Cradle. Is that a Cascade? I'm drinking. Or there are Bogues. Uh, you got a Bogues. It's a Bogues. I'm drinking through the purity of Tasmania. Uh, yeah. We have. We actually had a few beer. Too many beers. Beer donations this week. Uh, we had one from Marion H, uh, Ellen T, and this guy Mel H. I don't know who he is, but he keeps sending us beer. Hey, good on you, Mel. Um, for those of you who don't know, you can go to our website and buy us a beer. Uh, basically, it helps in us continuing or, to put this wonderful show out and also buy, or, literally buys us a beer. Or in your case, maybe we can get you some Sudafed. That's right. But only if you've been into a chemist once that day. Yeah, that's right. Don't go, to two, don't go around hoarding it for him. No. Um, no. I guess we're pushing close to time. So, Cam, what do you got yeah, coming good. up? Uh, I'm meant to be in two days' time going on the Three Capes walk uh, from Port Arthur around the Three Capes or Two Capes. Was this the, uh, one, the one that you invited me on, but I just couldn't possibly? Yeah. yeah, that's the one. That's the one I invited you and probably four of our other five people on who all said no. <laughs> um, so I'm meant to be going on Saturday. I'm I'm fifty fifty if I'm going to do it yet. Um, it was like a real cheap deal to get on there, but um, I've just come back from Cradle. I'm a bit tired, but I would like. I know it sounds really selfish, and all the Women on this channel are going to go, oh, that'd be right. But I do feel like I need a bit of me time for a few days just to – no customers. I know it sounds terrible. No family. Just just block it out for a few days and mm -hmm. have a bit of a have a bit of a, a debrief. Um, so I'm, I'm in the middle of that. I've got kids' sports on the weekend, which I don't want to miss and stuff like that. So, yeah. But that's what I'm hoping to do. And then I've got uh, Bruni Island next week. So we'll be – next time we record, I'll be leaving soon. So, yeah. And um, you – How long would the three capes walk take? It's three day, uh, three days. Yep. Uh, it's 40, 48 kilometers or fifty. Yeah. It's about forty eight kilometers. Yeah. Um, 
and it takes you all the way out to the thing called the Blade, which is all the way out that looks over Tasman Island, which is off the, mm. the coast. They're like huge sea cliffs and pretty amazing scenery. But um, you've got to, because it's such a, it's a not a guided walk, but it's huts the whole way. It's pretty ooh-la-la. Um, but because you've got to go hut to hut, you can't skip huts like the overland track as well. You can't. Um, the first day is like two hours walking and then yeah. you're at a hut. Right. So I'd love to be able to say, well, I'll skip the first one and go to the second hut and then get out in a couple of days. But we'll see. I may or may not have a story for you or some photos. That's right. Um, personally, uh, because I got crook, I didn't get up to the waterfalls I was hoping to get up to last week. So hopefully I can get there this week. We'll see how yes. I am traveling. Yeah. But uh, You'll be other right. than a bit, bit of fresh air will help. Bit of fresh air, bit of uh, um, camera time always helps. Lifts the spirits. So I'm glad you said camera, not Cameron. Yeah, I get Cameron time every week, mate. It's great. Um, hey, can we do? Can we do a quick shout out? I think I, we should. I, I know. I know. Well, you're not going to like who the shout outs for. No, that's they don't probably they probably don't listen this far. So, as you know, everyone sort of knows. There's another podcast that we sort of have butt heads with and have a bit of fun with. We may mm-hmm. or may not have a private chat between all four of us and hang the shit on each other. Um, but I want to give a shout. I think they did a pretty good effort with what they did recently. They've just done a, a massive snow walk uh, from Mount Hotham to Mount Bogan, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was speaking to one of them today, and they said they were absolutely spent. Um, so good on them. It's good to see other podcasts going out there and adapting ideas of other podcasts and right. putting them into play. Um, but mm-hmm. well done to them. They did a really good job, and uh, sounds like they had a lot of fun. So. Yeah, I wasn't actually that impressed. So um, that's been episode 90 of the Down South Photo Show. Thanks for listening in. Uh, no, no, I wasn't. Yeah. I, thought it was, I thought it was actually. That's I it was pretty brilliant. cool and probably no, something you, I would never be able to achieve. You should have gone with that. You should have just let, kept it running and just no, said no, that. No. Because, yeah, too, no, it would have been too, good. I'm too polite. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's it. Um, quick, real quick plug just at the end of the show mm. for um, our Great Ocean Road workshop, which is happening uh, the end of May 2024. So you've got plenty of time yep. to organize yourself and get booked into that one. Uh, places are selling and uh, that's a four night, five day workshop on the Great Ocean Road in May 2024. Get on dsps.com.au and have a look. Excellent. I'm looking forward to that. I really am looking forward to that. That's going to be a blinder. Hey, we've got like nine episodes to go, 10 episodes to go. We are we are honing in. We are getting closer and closer to episode you know 100. When, do you know when they do the cricket, uh, there's that classic footage of Shane Warne and the Mark English Nicholas. guy, Mark Nicholas, and he's like, oh, he's in the 90s. He hasn't been out in the 90s ever. Never been out in the 90s. <laughs> and Shane Warne's like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's <laughs> and, then right, he went yes, out, yes. and then he went out. Maybe We might not make it to 100. Who knows? Oh, why would you? Anyway, maybe maybe Taz has parks and wildlife to like say, hang on a sec, you're making beer off this. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, where's our yeah. cut? Where's our cut? Yeah, well, you, I'll tell you, we can get your cut from. Exactly. Anyway. All right. right. This yeah. has been episode. This has been episode ninety of the Down South Photo Show. We will see you perhaps next week. Maybe not. I don't know. What do you? We. What's available? Yeah, we'll be like. We'll be right. Yeah. Well, mine's all right. We will see you next week for episode ninety-one. Thank you, Cameron. Thank you, Brendan. Have a nice. Okay. Hope you feel better. <laughs> it's good night from me, and it's good night from him. <laughs> and what he said. <laughs> Bye. Bye.